Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. We have quite a show today. I look forward to uh, to visiting with our guests. I want to share one quick thing with me. You know, look, I almost didn't read this, but Kyle really encouraged me to. I'll put this on Kyle. But here's what it says. Someone posted this. Yesterday, my husband thought he saw a cockroach in the kitchen. He sprayed everything down and cleaned thoroughly. Today, I'm putting the cockroach in the bathroom. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. That's pretty good. You're, if you're a guy. You can really appreciate that. Kyle, right? You you encouraged <laughs> it. <laughs> I leave it though. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. So uh, look, we're gonna have we have a special visit from Richard Cross with Super Talk Mississippi Sports, and then in the second segment, Jeff Duncan from the Athletics is gonna join Richard and me, and we're gonna have sort of a free for all as it relates to sports in um, in. The, you know, the world today, really. We can we can talk about just about anything. But Richard, uh, let me turn to you and just say good morning. How are you doing, Ricky? It's great to uh, great to be with you. I've heard so many good things uh, about you and about the program and kind of the reach that it's got on the Gulf Coast. So it's uh, it's good to spend some time with you today. It, it's it's amazing that we haven't really had the opportunity to meet. But if we didn't have a pandemic, obviously, our past would have cross somewhere along the line, that is for sure. But um, Richard, what I want to do for for listeners who don't know you and uh, probably have heard you on the SEC network or ESPN doing play-by-play, you've got a you've got a, an incredible past. You've always been super focused on sports, and you had a you had a vision that ultimately led you to your current role at Super Talk Mississippi Sports. But I want to tell your story, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll kind of start from the from from the beginning. That good with you? That works for me. I'll go wherever you want to go, Ricky. Well, I was interested to find the story that was written about you on HottyToddy.com. And the headline said, Oxford's Richard Cross, a man for all sports seasons. And I didn't know this about you, actually. It's always interesting to learn new things about someone. Um, But you were starting quarterback at Oxford. And uh, so you've always been kind of a sports fanatic, I guess. Yeah, I, I've kind of loved it my entire life. Uh, was not good enough to uh, really continue a career post high school, but uh, you know some of the greatest memories that I've got are from high school football. Uh, I played baseball in high school, uh, made the varsity team my sophomore year, and uh, our head baseball coach at the time decided that we needed to have a pretty frank conversation. He said, "Richard, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I don't see you playing until you're a senior." And I said. Okay, that kind of stung a little bit, and I decided, well, I might be on the better off being on the golf team instead. So in high school, I played on the golf team at Oxford High School and, uh, and then played quarterback as well on the, the football team. Uh, started my senior year. Uh, we finished that season eight and four. Uh, there was a pretty good Clarksdale team that we ran into in the uh, first round of the playoffs that year, but um, had some teammates that uh, were really successful, went on to play college football at the Division One level, at the junior college level. Uh, I might could have kind of walked on at the Division Two level, but I just decided that uh, maybe I would be better suited to uh, hang out here in Oxford and go to school at Ole Miss. And uh, it's a decision that has uh, has worked out in the long run. Yeah, you got a you got a degree in broadcast journalism, but if you think about it, you know, ended up you ended up going there. Ole Miss has been in your blood probably since you were born in some some way or another, huh? 
Yeah, we moved to Oxford when I was eight years old. My mom was from Coffeyville, which is a small town. It's about 40 miles or so south of Oxford. And her dad had Alzheimer's. We lived in, in West Tennessee. That's where I was uh, was born. So she wanted to get closer to her parents. My, my mom did. And Coffeyville wasn't really an option for us. So uh, we landed in Oxford. My mom worked for the university. Uh, my dad at the time worked in the uh, in the pharmacy business and has stayed in the, the medical community for, for years and years. And um, it turned out to be a great place to grow up. And, and it's uh, I kind of feel fortunate. Um, you know, it's a, it's a college town that's not a huge college town, but feels bigger than it is. There's a lot to offer in Oxford, great public schools. Uh, and it's where my wife, Jane, and I have kind of decided this is the, the spot for us to raise our family. And so this has been home for a long time, uh, getting a little bit longer every day. Now, I've, I've now been here for over 30 years. Wow, that's incredible. Look, um, as you can imagine, I have met, I went to Southern Miss. Most of my family went to Southern Miss. I have one son that went to Auburn. I have a son who went to law school at Ole Miss, and that actually brought us to Oxford on a pretty regular basis while he was in law school. But I have a lot of friends who went to, to Ole Miss. And, um, you know, despite challenges along the way from a sports point of view, the fact is they have a lot of dedicated fans, don't they? Yeah, there's no question. Passionate fans, uh, I think probably we might ease into a baseball conversation at some point uh, a little bit later on. Uh, you know, baseball fans in the state of Mississippi, whether you're talking about Mississippi State or Ole Miss or Southern Miss, so incredibly passionate. And, you know, you go back to that that kind of magical 2014, 2015, 2016 season, uh, and, and Ole Miss fans had waited for that so very long. That kind of culminated with the win in the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma State uh, at the end of the 2016 season. Um Passionate is the is the way to describe it. Frustrated probably is a, a good way to, to describe it some of the time as well. Um, but you know, you, you get to enjoy the highs a whole lot more when you've experienced the lows. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know what Alabama fans do. They don't know what it's like to have a low. It's just you know all highs, all championships, all the time. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a great place. A lot of special people here. Uh, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of really good people uh, at the university level and at the athletics department level as well, and uh, really wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, you've had the opportunity to sort of cut your teeth on women's basketball. If you yeah. take kind of go through that path, you 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 try a couple of different things along the way. But what really what was sort of inspirational about your story is this reality that you decided to be this young entrepreneur. You you were going to figure out a way to do what you love to do, and it sort of set the stage to landing where you are today. Take us a little bit on that journey. All right, so I'm going to rewind back to high school. So um, I had a, a journalism teacher in high school named Beth Fitz, who uh, she became the, the president of the Mississippi Scholastic Press Association and just cared so very much about our students. And the majority of, of the class and the program was print-based. Uh, we had a, a newspaper and a magazine that ran through the school, but there was this one unit, I think it was in the, the fourth nine weeks of the school year, where we had a broadcast unit. And I had known for a while that, you know, I think broadcasting is what I'm interested in, but it just clicked. And there were some opportunities for me uh, at Oxford High School, um, probably because of playing sports uh, that presented themselves, whether it was, you know, the public address announcer for the the girls and boys basketball teams or doing some local access television work for, for basketball and some baseball stuff along the way uh, that really kind of, 
kind of lit that fire that never went out. Um, after I graduated high school, so the following fall, when I was a freshman at Ole Miss, I started working with the Super Talk family. It wasn't Super Talk the way it is now at the time, but was doing local high school football on the radio, first as a color analyst and then as a play-by-play announcer. Through that, kind of developed a relationship with David Kellum, who for over 40 years has been the, the baseball uh, play-by-play voice. He's been the football play-by-play voice on the radio for Ole Miss since 1989, I think. Kind of grew a friendship there, and uh, David has been a mentor of mine. And so when I was, I guess it was the spring of my freshman year, maybe the spring of my sophomore year, I started filling in for him some on Ole Miss baseball. You get to the end of the basketball season, and there's the conflict. you got basketball and baseball happening at the same time. Uh, And so that was kind of the, the entree into that. Uh, a couple of years later, I started working full-time on baseball uh, while I was still in school, and then the opportunity presented itself. Play-by-play, I knew was what my passion was. Even though I was kind of working as a color analyst with David or as a secondary play-by-play announcer, that's what I wanted to do. And so when the opportunity to be a women's basketball play-by-play announcer on the radio presented itself, uh, I certainly jumped at that. And that was a really cool time because Carol Ross – uh, had made the transition from head coach at Florida back to her alma mater, Ole Miss. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, they got some good players, and that was a really cool run where they made you know, multiple NCAA tournaments, kind of capped off in Arminti Price's senior season uh, with a run to the Elite Eight. So it was a great experience, uh, and it was, you know, Ricky, you've heard people in broadcast talk about this before. There, there's nothing that you can do. Uh, to get better other than broadcasting, other other than reps. You've just got to do it and do it and do it. I'll give you one quick funny story about women's basketball. I have I, I make a conscious effort not to be too hard on officials. I wasn't always like that, though. I was doing a women's college basketball game. It was an Ole Miss game, and my phone rang, and I hadn't had a cell phone for all that long at that point. And I look, and it's my mom. And I know that my mom knows what I'm doing right now. She wouldn't be calling me in the middle of a broadcast if something wasn't wrong. So it's in a commercial break. So I quit. I was like, Mom, what's wrong? She said, would you please stop complaining about the officials? That sounds terrible. And I said, Mom, you you can't call me in the middle of a broadcast to tell me that. I'll talk to you later. I love you. I hung up. But that resonated with me. If my mom's going to call and say it's that bad, she was going to be honest with me. And so uh, it was a lesson that I think I, I learned early on. But, uh, you know, it all, it's all about experience and growing along the way. And you and you really, really did your reps. And you're right. I felt the same way when I started coaching. I said, man, I'm not a radio guy. And they just encouraged me to have conversations that, like I'm sitting at the dinner table and, and just, just mastered the ability to convey a, a dinner conversation with someone and people will enjoy it because you, you have this opportunity to focus on people. Hey, look, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Richard Cross and Jeff Duncan from The Athletic is going to join us. And uh, it ought to be a terrific conversation. We'll see you after this break. Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Kosia. You know, one of the benefits of uh, me having the opportunity to join the the Miss, uh, Super Talk Mississippi family is that I have gotten the opportunity to meet some incredible people, from Gerard to to Paul to Steve Azar, and uh, people like Richard Cross. Uh, Richard Cross is uh, is an incredibly talented uh, sports guy. If you haven't paid attention to the shows here on Super Talk Mississippi Media, you should really tune in, especially if you like SEC football or baseball or basketball. I mean, they really kind of, they, they talk about a lot of things. And uh, in fact, I was mentioning to Richard off the air that I've heard him talk about sort of the uh, state of affairs in the state that have nothing to do with sports. And he's extremely well-read when it comes to stuff like that. He's a very good thinker. He's got a great voice, incidentally. You'll, you'll see that here shortly. But, but coming back to you, Richard, it is a great company to be a part of. We, we're really lucky. Uh, one of the reasons I decided after being retired for four and a half months to come back and do this hour show each day was because I really like the people who are in, who are engaged in this company. And it's rare that you find privately owned companies with a vision like Steve has, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I mean, I think vision is a good way to describe it. You know, to you, you look at the state of Mississippi, you're talking about a population of about 3 million people, you know, give or take 2.8 to 3.2 in a, you know, given census year. And that's smaller than major markets that stand alone all by themselves. And so the really the only way to create a major market in Mississippi was to tie the entire state together and through uh, of some wheeling and dealing and some growth and some risks along the way. Uh, Steve's been able to pull that off. Obviously, when uh, we were ad- able to add the, the Gulf Coast Station, uh, really kind of tied the entire state together. Uh, and I, I think it's cool, too, Ricky. I mean, you, you guys can probably speak to this better. Uh, for so long, it feels like the Mississippi Gulf Coast is almost like its own entity. And then there's the rest of the state of Mississippi. And there's so much rich history and passion and food and culture and everything that happens on the Gulf Coast. It needs to be a part of the entire state of Mississippi. I know it's a long way from DeSoto County to to Gulfport uh, or, you know, Biloxi to Iuka. But uh, there's so much good that happens in Mississippi. Uh, It's nice for us all to be one. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, one of the reasons that Coast View, I think, has gained such a good audience is that we're focusing on the kind of people that it takes to make a region like Coastal Mississippi tick. And I spend a lot of time talking about it being an economic engine for the rest of the state. I mean, it's really important to the rest of the yeah. state. And the rest of the state is important to Mississippi. So I spend more time talking about what's going on in the Golden Triangle, what's going on in places like the Delta, and why it's important for us to have that conversation so we can bring us all together. So, uh, yeah, just, I mean, just even in your answer just then, you went beyond sports. You have a sense of that vision, and it's good to hear you say that. Hey, let's do this now. Let's bring Jeff Duncan into the conversation. My partner in crime, we used to work together at NOLA Media Group, timespeakingunanola.com. He's here every Friday uh, to join me for a conversation about sports. He works for The Athletic. He's covered the Saints longer than anyone else on his- in history. And I've actually been looking forward to having Jeff on and Richard on at the same time so we could uh, kind of have a free-for-all about sports. You were actually just doing some book signing, huh, Jeff? Yeah, I was up in uh, Jackson. Uh, had a book signing up in in, in the Jackson area, and I uh, was just saying off the air just how much Jackson's grown since the last time I've been there. You know, it's been a while, and uh, have fond memories of when they had training camp there, the New Orleans Saints, back in the first years of the Sean Payton Drew Brees era. 
they were all there, Millsaps College there in Jackson. So it was good to get back. Uh, it's a great town and a lot of great people up there, a lot of great sports fans. Uh, so really, really fun to get back up and visit with everyone. And you were mentioning, so you live in Oxford, though, right, Richard? And uh, so you, right. you get to Jackson from time to time, but your your base of operation is Oxford. Yeah, I'm I'm based in Oxford, and you know, I'm excited to visit with Jeff as well. You know, so much of what we do on Sports Talk Mississippi is is collegiate based, and, and for obvious reasons, college fans in Mississippi with Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Southern Miss, and I, I almost feel like there's a little bit of bleed over of LSU fans on the coast. I don't know if that's a bad rumor or if that's a, a true thing or not, uh, but that's where we spend the majority of the, our time. But outside of that, it's the Saints um, because there's so many people that live in Mississippi who the Saints are their team. And uh, so I'm excited to uh, to visit with Jeff. Maybe learn something today. But Richard, one of the things that, that Jeff has done such a good job at is um, focusing on what he calls the Gulf South. The Saints know this, too, that you can't be a small market you know, you know, NFL team like they are, even the Pelicans for that matter, without without branching out. So the Gulf South is kind of their thing. Jeff's really, Jeff's really, he understood that to begin with, but his book has really given him an opportunity to see how many yeah. fans he has in coastal Mississippi. Talk about that, Jeff. Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we saw that when we were at training camp. There's a reason the Saints had training camp in Millsaps. They understood how many fans they have in Mississippi. Uh, they've always tried to reach out to that part of the Gulf, Gulf South. And I, I think I mentioned to you on the program before how an NFL executive told me you never had to worry about the New Orleans Saints leaving New Orleans. I know there was a lot of media coverage of that, but he drew a line from Atlanta to Houston and Dallas and said, this is the most football crazy part of the country. It's the SEC West, basically. And there no, there's no other part of this nation that cares more about football than that area, the Gulf South, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. And if you pulled out New Orleans from the NFL map, you'd have a large swath of football crazy fans with no team to follow. And I think that applies to the SEC as well as uh, professional sports. And certainly the Saints Saints know that. You get that, don't you, Richard? Yeah, I do. And, and it's interesting because I think there's a Major League Baseball example of that as well, because the Atlanta Braves, uh, you know, there are a couple of things that work for the Braves. So they sit alone in Atlanta. The closest Major League Baseball team to Atlanta is Cincinnati, which it surprises people sometimes when they hear it. It's actually a little bit closer to Cincinnati than it is to St. Louis. And so some of the massive following now, some of it was TBS Superstation and every game was on and it was uh, across the entire country. But there was an entire region where that was their team. And I feel like in kind of the same way, that's the Saints. I mean, you got North Mississippi. I've got friends who are Saints season ticket holders that live here in Oxford. And they'll do an Ole Miss game on Saturday. And they'll get up early on Sunday morning. And they'll drive to New Orleans. And they'll do a Saints game on Sunday. And, and you know, it's not just one or two people. I mean, they're, I'm not saying that it's hundreds and hundreds. But it's, you know, a handful of people that do that. And, and that's the team that, you know, as, as local broadcast stuff, you know, when, when we've had that, if you don't have Sunday ticket, the Saints were the game that you always got, and, and they are the game that you get. Um, that might have gotten peeled into a little bit when Eli Manning went to the New York Giants. All of a sudden, there were a lot of New York football fans that lived in north-central Mississippi, uh, but the Saints have kind of always been the home team, and it's been so cool to have some players from Ole Miss, from Mississippi State, uh, that you, you can follow that, that have been part of the Saints. I guess chief among them, Deuce McAllister. For sure, and you 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 actually been working on a story around Arch Manning, huh, huh Jeff? 
Yeah, I actually talked to uh, uh, Archie, his grandfather, just a couple of days ago, who, by the way, just had his 72nd birthday on Wednesday. Uh, hard to believe Archie Manning's 72 years old. But, um, you know, 50 years ago, he was drafted number two overall in the 1971 NFL draft. That's This is amazing. That's the last first or second round draft pick the Saints have used on a quarterback. Uh, they've not ever drafted one higher uh, wow. since then in 50 years. Uh, and Archie obviously changed the course of New Orleans sports history by moving to New Orleans, staying here, electing to stay here. And of course his progeny, uh, you know, it made them the first family of football. And, and now his grandson, who's named after him, is coming along here at Newman High School here in uh, suburban New Orleans and is going to be the, probably the number one quarterback in the country in two years. He's only going to be a junior this fall. And the hype machine around Arch and the recruitment of Arch Manning is already starting to heat up. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out. Do you hear a lot about that too, Richard? Yeah, there's no question. Uh, you know, Arch, uh, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, kind of released a list of places that he was going to visit this summer. And there were a handful of, of stops, and they're the high-profile programs that you would expect, Alabama and Texas and Clemson. And, yeah, I think he said he wanted to visit Ohio State. And Ole Miss fans, there were some that were like, hold on a second. Is he not going to visit Ole Miss this summer? And you want to go, hold on, this is about a, this is kind of a fact-finding mission. I don't know how many facts there are to find for Arch Manning uh, about Oxford and Ole Miss. I, I think uh, uh, his family still has uh, a house here, and uh, they're back and, and forth. What an unbelievable family. I, I guess a second ago when I said Deuce McAllister, chief among them in terms of former Ole Miss players, I, that meant aside from Archie Manning. Uh, I, I, I hope that kind of goes without saying. For sure. When's your story going to come out, Jeff? We're not sure yet. It's going to be in the next two weeks. We're timing it to the June 1 is a big date on the recruiting calendar. It's the first yep. day that recruits and their families can actually go out and visit campuses. If you think about it, guys, I mean, they haven't been able to do that in a year. You haven't been able to actually get on campus as a recruit. So Arch Manning's never stepped foot on some of these schools' campuses like Clemson or Texas. He's going to go get to meet the coaches in person, and that's going to be important to them in their journey here is getting the right fit. Uh, like Richard said, they know Ole Miss. I mean, he was at, he was at Ole Miss's camp when Matt Luke was the coach in the sixth grade. He knows full well what, what that program can offer him. Well, well, well. Welcome. Uh, let me tell you, I've enjoyed the conversation. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Richard Cross and Jeff Duncan. And uh, <clears throat> there's so much ground to cover. We'll see you after this. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, and AGJ Systems and Networks on Supertalk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. I have Richard Cross from Super Talk Mississippi Sports and Jeff Duncan from The Athletic. Uh, it's been great, uh, you know, getting introducing you two and and having a, a general conversation about things uh, sports. You know, Jeff, as you think about, let's talk about college for a second. 
and try to keep your you know your your sort of your your focus on what you referred to as maybe the the southern part of the uh, of uh, SEC. What do you think some of the big stories were this year? Well, I think just the fact that they were able to play college football in, in the pandemic and and get away with uh, that schedule, that ambitious schedule. I think a lot of people didn't think it would happen. We know the the Pac-12 certainly didn't think so, and uh, I think the the SEC did a, a tremendous job in in navigating unprecedented uh, situation, and we were able to have a season, we, even though without fans uh, in a lot of venues. Um, I think it helped. We know how passionate uh, SEC fans are and how much those programs mean to their communities. And I think just having that distraction, the entertainment value of having college football uh, meant a lot to a lot of people during a very difficult time. I think you really kind of picked up on it in a big way. It's interesting because you, okay, you cover the Saints. You comment and do some coverage of the Pelicans. You're very interested in LSU and what's happening. I think Richard's right. LSU does definitely come over into Mississippi, especially the coast. So you're, you're, uh, you pass cross in that regard. Uh, this is your world, though, isn't it, Richard? You, you spend a lot of time in this world. If you look back on the year, what, what do you think some of the big stories were? I mean, you've got the on the field stuff with the remarkable run that Alabama had and, you know, year one for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss and year one for Mike Leach at Mississippi State and the season that LSU had where it was really bad. And then it kind of got a little better as things went along. And, you know, we'll see how important this season is coming up for, for LSU on the field. But the off-the-field stories dominated, and, and there's just no way around it. And, I mean, Jeff made a great point. We spent that window from, you know, middle of March until, what, middle of June, maybe late June, asking the question, is there going to be a college football season? And, and for us at Sports Talk Mississippi, it's like, this is our lifeblood. This is what we do. I, I think we kind of grew a little bit as, as broadcasters, per se, as opposed to just sports guys during that time because – you know, you had to be a little more creative. You had to work a, a little harder. Um, but to get back to that point, even though it was 25% capacity, some places didn't have any fans there. It, it was funny. I thought football felt more normal once we actually got there with 25% capacity, where you've got, you know, 15,000 people in a 60,000-seat stadium than basketball. Basketball was what was weird for me. It was indoors. You had a smaller attendance. It didn't feel right in person. And I thought it didn't look right on television. I think so much of the the environment for basketball is driven by the crowd and that kind of collegial feel. And you're right there on top of the court. And just seeing empty venues and kind of no atmosphere, I thought basketball was hard this year. And thank goodness we've gotten back, at least in the state of Mississippi, to full stadiums during baseball season. It has been special this spring. That's a great point, Richard. I mean, college basketball in a small arena setting – there's nothing like that electricity. Uh, yeah. Conference game. I mean, the possessions, it feels so heightened because of the energy of the crowd. Uh, it, everything reverberates off the roof. It's just it's just special. And without that, uh, it feels almost like a pickup game in an intramural setting. It's not the same. You know what's interesting about what Richard said? Um, it's, it's not just... 
the stuff that was off the court or off the field. You guys had to, you know, you had to work a little harder for sure. And this goes back to the point I was making a few minutes ago about you, Richard, your ability to sort of speak on the, the topics of the day, the news topics of the day that were not necessarily about sports. Uh, that, that tendency that you have actually served you really well as a sportscaster because, you know, coming back to you, Jeff, you've been on Pulitzer teams before. You've covered stuff that was dire, that had absolutely nothing to do with uh, with sports. But I know you to just be a, a current events kind of guy who's paying attention to news in general. But the pandemic and what you had to learn about the pandemic and, and the focus you had to have on making sure the advice and the comments you made about the pandemic as it relates to how to stay safe and the issues about the vaccines or when to wear a mask or not, you had to really pay attention to those things because you could have, in your case, Jeff, either here on this show or the other other stuff that you do in broadcasting or in your writing, you could have given bad advice. Same thing for you, uh, uh, Richard. So, Jeff, that's, that was a big part of your prep this year, wasn't it? Well, no question. And it, I mean, look, it influenced all of American, all of global society. I mean, this was a global event, uh, unprecedented. We're, we're hopefully never going to experience anything like this in our lifetimes. And it reminded me a little bit of covering Katrina when mm. you know, I was a Saints beat writer when, when Katrina hit. And my day-to-day world was revolving around the Saints and who was going to make the roster and training camp. And you, it was so myopic, my view at that time and it had to be as a beat writer and then immediately it was just destroyed that whole prism was destroyed and you realize nobody cared about the new orleans saints <laughs> over the next few weeks people were worried about their lives their homes and much bigger priorities that kind of back that came back to me during this pandemic where you worried about your health your family's health uh sports became less important especially in the initial six months as we were trying to figure this thing out and uh, so that does give a perspective, I think, to sports where it fits into our lifestyles and our culture. Uh, it is an important part of our lives, but it's just a part. Right. And, and it's more entertainment than it is the, uh, you know, lifeblood, even though it is important to us in the South here you do realize where it, where it fits in the pecking order when something like this comes along. Jeff, Richard's right. I mean, I mean, excuse me, Richard, Jeff is right in that the pandemic brought everything back into focus about what in life is ultimately important. And, and, and everyone who's listening to you is going through that same kind of metamorphosis during the midst of the, in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, what more can you add to that? Well, you know, from a from a messaging standpoint, and first of all, I appreciate what you said about kind of being well rounded. I I've always just been interested in people and interested in stories that that kind of capture the imagination. Uh, have been a news junkie, a political junkie. It's a little harder to do that right now, just because it's so you know divisive everywhere you look. And um, but but yeah, I, I I do think and and not to not to disagree with what Jeff said, and certainly not to belittle the idea of maybe it put some things in perspective. I think it also reminded us of how important sports is for the psyche of our particular region of the country. And and I'm not saying that people's identity is necessarily wrapped up in the team they cheer for or the sport that they're most passionate about. But people choose to use that as an outlet for them. Uh, you know, it, it's their escape. It's their, uh, I, I got to grind it out 
you know, w- whether I'm working at, at Ingalls or I'm at a law firm or a doctor's office or uh, I'm in construction, I got to grind it out Monday through Friday, you know, from, from the time the sun up and comes up until the su- time the sun comes down. When I get to Saturday, I want and I need my college football. When I get to Sunday, I need the NFL because that's my escape. And, and there are people in other parts of the country that go, oh, that's ridiculous that you would, would care that much about sports. But it's no more ridiculous than somebody in California who lives for the weekend so they can get on a surfboard, somebody in Colorado who lives for the weekend so they can get away to the mountains to ski or to hike. It's what so many people here love. I think that's why it was so important for us to get back as quickly as we could to what it felt like before the pandemic. Yeah, Jeff Jeff talked about that a lot during the pandemic about this this uh, relief valve. <laughs> it was yeah. important to get sports back up again, and uh, and you you felt super passionate about that, didn't you, Jeff? Well, no question about it. I mean, it's it's part of our lifestyle here in the South. Sports certainly have a higher priority, I think, here, especially football, than other other parts of the country. And it's not just a, it's an entertainment vehicle for us, but I also think it's, uh, you know, as Richard said, an escape from, from what was a very difficult time, much like the way Katrina, when it, when it hit and people were here rebuilding homes, rebuilding their lives, they needed something to serve as a distraction uh, during the, that difficult time. And let's face it, the pandemic was similar in that regard and that we were all cooped up in our houses we were starving for something that would give us a sense of normalcy in our lives. And certainly sports is a big part of that. And without it, uh, I don't know what we would have done, to be honest with you. And, yeah. and you know, Ricky, just to, just to kind of add to that, I mean, if you think about some of the tragic events in our country's history, whether you're talking about Katrina like Jeff was, if you want to go all the way back to 2001, sports has provided the catharsis after the fact. There, there's obviously an immediate you know, whether you want to call it grieving period or recovery period where you've got to make sure things are safe and you got to make sure that people are taken care of and basic needs are taken care of. But I think about the return of college football, the return of the NFL, the return of the World Series back in 2001 and how big of a moment that was where people all over the United States, despite their differences, came together that said, this helps us recover. We had a common enemy. We had a common enemy, although uh, social media and politics and all that tried to divide us during these moments. Um, you know, uh, sports is sort of the ultimate opportunity for us to come together. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the baseball season and sort of how that's going. And uh, and then, what you know, what do they look for in the months and weeks or months and years ahead as it relates to sports here in Mississippi? We'll be back after this after this break. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Hope you're having a great day. We're having a terrific conversation with Richard Cross from Supertalk Mississippi Sports and Jeff Duncan of The Athletic. Uh, Jeff's here every Friday. Hopefully Richard will join us from time to time and just talk about what's going on. But coming over to you, Richard, for a second, you, you're, if, you have, if you have a sandbox, if you have an area that's incredible focus for you, you you're really into understanding, especially SEC 
collegiate baseball, at least at this moment in time. Um, if you think about the year we've had, what, what stands out to you? It's another year with incredible baseball in the state of Mississippi, Ricky. Uh, you, you've got Mississippi State, uh, who is projected to be a national seed. Uh, you've got Ole Miss, who is projected to be a regional host. The NCAA last week, I guess it was on Friday afternoon, announced the 20 potential host sites for the 16 regionals. You had Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Southern Miss all among that group of 20 teams. Scott Berry's clubs had a, uh, a nice season as well. Uh, they're going to finish either second or third in, uh, in con- I guess, finish third in Conference uh, USA. Uh, and with a great run in their tournament, who knows, they could be hosting in Hattiesburg as well. Yeah, this was a unique year because it was last season was a free season for college baseball players. They didn't count against anybody's eligibility. And so you had some guys that came back that might normally would not have, but more so because the Major League Baseball draft was shortened to just five rounds. And so you got normally a bunch of guys that get drafted in the 14th round or the 17th round. They're going to pursue their professional baseball dream. Well, with, with no draft and nowhere to go, I mean, there's a ton of talent in those six through 15th rounds of the, of the Major League Baseball draft, and all those guys were back in college. It's been an incredible season. The SEC is as dominant as ever. Uh, LSU kind of stumbled early, but they played themselves back into a spot where with a good weekend against, uh, against Texas A&M in the final weekend of the regular season, uh, some success in Hoover at the SEC tournament, they can once again be in, the, uh, in an NCAA regional. So uh, you're right. I'm incredibly passionate about college baseball. I love it. I love the environments. Uh, and I love that in Mississippi per capita, there's not a more passionate uh, group of college baseball fans anywhere in America. You know, one of the interesting things about me being in New Orleans is I got to, uh, got to understand how Louisiana is kind of unique in the way that it has this one big major university in LSU, and they don't have that interstate rivalry like, you know, they do have it with some other smaller colleges. But when you have Mississippi State and Ole Miss going after each other, and of course you have Southern Miss doing what they're doing, it creates so much fan excitement. Um, but but what what take would you have on that, Jeff? Well, a little, little known fact, the first columns I wrote at the Times-Picayune were actually at the College World Series when LSU under Skip Burtman went there in the early 2000s. Uh, I was just a, a regular reporter then, but I got assigned to go up and cover it from a uh, columnist point of view. And that was like my first introduction to the, the passion and, and the importance of LSU college, you know, college baseball and then LSU, uh, the program that Skip Burtman had built there. Where I came from, you know, University of Louisville is a great example. I mean, they, when I was in school there, nobody cared about the college baseball team. I was a sports editor at the Cardinal. We hardly Hmm. covered them. They played it like a, almost like a little league field on campus. Now Dan McDonald, former Ole Miss assistant, has come to Louisville, changed their program. They have a beautiful uh, gleaming facility. They're getting ready to build a new facility up there, uh, indoor facility. They're a top 10 power and college baseball, that explosion of not just being a kind of a regional sport on the West Coast and in the South, it now programs all over the country, like a Louisville, are into it, and it's becoming more and more of a, a national following, uh, and, and I think eventually rivaling, say, college basketball uh, on a uh, kind of a, that national footprint. 
it's, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting because we're, we're you're you're seeing stands coming back to the. I mean, you're seeing uh, fans pack the stands, um, so that's gonna create so much more of a fun as we get into the the college playoffs, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be great. The NCAA and its infinite wisdom, despite CDC guidelines and updates and full ballparks all over the SEC and other places, has said 50% capacity for the postseason. Uh, I'll just not say anything else about the NCAA because that's not going to be good for any of us. Um, but hopefully they, they, they revisit that perhaps a little bit and we are able to get those atmospheres. Uh, you know, to Jeff's point about the, the, the sport growing, I couldn't agree anymore. And I, I thought that's why I thought two years ago it was such a big deal that Michigan, out of the Big Ten, got to the finals of the College World Series, that, that you've seen Oregon State and the Pacific Northwest have the success that they've had. This year you've got Pittsburgh, uh, you know, middle of the eastern seaboard, uh, a top 20 program. Uh, we need that from a college baseball standpoint. Obviously, those of us in the SEC always think that the SEC is going to be best, and I don't see any reason that it won't be. Uh, but the more national recognition for college baseball, I think the better off the sport is as a whole. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think until it gets to that level, it's always going to be viewed as something of a, a regional sport. I mean, if you go yeah. out to New, New York City, you're probably not going to get a lot of college baseball fans in, in downtown New York. It's more of a college market right now. We need to get to that point, and I think that's coming. You can just see the explosion in all these markets. It's, it is exciting to see what's happening there. So, uh, Richard, coming back over to you, what closing thought do you have? I've enjoyed being with you, Ricky. I hope we can uh, can do this again soon. I hope Jeff isn't uh, isn't mad that he had to share uh, some time with me today. Certainly have enjoyed this conversation and uh, appreciate you having me on. It's been a real pleasure. We lost Jeff right there toward the end, and it, I mean the timing couldn't have been better. We were going to lose him. And uh, <laughs> uh, well, I really appreciate you joining me. We'll have you back again. There's so you know in, during the during the heat of the moments, there's going to be so many cool things to talk about, and where there's an intersection between what you're doing and what Jeff is doing, we'll get you guys together and let you continue the conversation. So thank you for joining us. Sounds great. Thanks, Ricky. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.